0: Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast. Why do they call me Nomad? Well, i traveled the globe spreading the joy of music one song at a time. And now I bring you wisdom, tried and true knowledge, and life experiences of my colleagues and peers in this crazy business we call Music. Rodney Alejandro, the governor of the Recording Academy, is our guest on this episode of the Career Musician Podcast. This is the Career Musician Podcast with your host, Nomad. Okay, Rodney Alejandro, let's lead with the Recording Academy, a.k.a. the Grammys, right? He's on the board. He's got a little plaque that says Governor. Rodney has also been the music director, keyboard player for the band The Script. Does anybody remember the show The Shield, a TV show, back in the early 2000s all the way through 2008? Well, he wrote the theme song. So if you look at his IMDb, it's like three pages long of all the songs that were in the show, and guess what? The theme song is in every freaking episode. We all love the mailbox money. Let's listen to Rodney tell us about that and so much more of his illustrative career right here. And with that, we welcome Rodney Alejandro to Nomads Place. Cheers! <laughs> thank you for, <laughs> for an episode. Absolutely, man.
1: So, so tell us about your background, though. So, I grew up. I actually lived in the barrio in Houston, Wait. but I went to school in the ghetto. None of that made sense to me until I was older. <laughs> until later on, you and not because of my parental heritage, but just that's the music school in Houston's magnet program. Was in the ghetto, right, and we lived in the barrio. So during the day, and you know those little hours after school, I'm mixing it up with you know, in the hip hop hood, yeah, you know Fifth Ward in Houston, uh, and then in nights and weekends, I'm in my hood, Magnolia, which is the predominantly Latin community, and hearing you know salsa, mariachi, and all that stuff going down the street. Where during the day I'm hearing the beginnings of what was hip hop back in the day it's the best of both worlds yeah. literally so that was pounding my eardrums growing up you know so that would be fair to say that that informed everything you've done you know that was the foundation
0: pretty of much the yeah i
1: mean on top of studying classical violin now see that's the best of three worlds <laughs> wow so i started when <laughs> i was I going to you school played violin, yeah, bro. when i go to, when i went to school the music school that's what it, the only smallest instrument you could learn was violin so you get this little quarter size violin and when you're tiny yeah. To start learning the Suzuki method. Sure. So first grade, basically. First grade, I've been going through Magnet Music School. And violin was my first instrument. Trumpet, I was allowed, if I kept my grades up, to take a second instrument, which is trumpet. Wow. In third grade. So from there, we went to junior high, which is another arts magnet school in Houston, where I played in the jazz ensemble and the orchestra, the string orchestra. And the jazz ensemble, that in my seventh grade year, we recorded an album because we were the top junior high jazz ensemble in the nation. So the district yeah. funded us to record an album. That's where I fell in love with production and like going, oh, I don't know what this is called, but I want to do it. But it's cool. <laughs> yeah. To play, you know, we'd play and then they'd let us hear it back in the control room. Yeah. And, you know, we we're playing live. It's a big band, you know. I still have the album. It's on vinyl. It's awesome. Oh, that's cool, Yeah, And so that was where I fell in love with production and, you know, set out to learn what it was. Did you digitalize that album? I have not digitalized that album. It's a good one. You might want to do that. (laughs) I could use it to score some of this. That would be so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Very cool. that's that's neat, That's the background, classical, and then in the jazz ensemble obviously was jazz, and then orchestra was obviously the classics and all this other stuff.
0: So you were playing violin... And trumpet. And trumpet. Yeah. And then, so, okay, but what led you to keys and piano?
1: Very good. In high school, I decided I wanted to arrange... When I was learning what this production thing was, and I started researching back then in the 80s what that is, and what skills you needed to have... It was piano was a good instrument to learn to write and arrange. So I just kind of had this, went to my band director and said, I was in the top jazz ensemble. We had two jazz ensembles, one and two. And I played trumpet in the, in the one. And I said, I'm not going to play trumpet unless I play piano in the second one. He goes, well, you ain't never had a piano lesson in your life. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I want to play piano. Wow. I want to play piano because I want to learn how to arrange. And I want to know how to yeah. write. That. Yeah. So we fought it out. And finally, he's like, got tired of me. Uh, complaining about it. And he, all right, then go. He put the chart in front of me and told me to go. Needless to say, I fell flat on my face. <laughs> yeah, a jazz piano
0: chart? That's not yeah. something you could just, but you know, whip up.
1: Not being a quitter.
0: There you, there uh, you work for
1: it. I said, all right, I'll be back. So after that first semester, the next semester, I went in and actually played the part. I would learned it. On my own. My own fingerings. My own everything. And... uh He's he just basically let me do it because he at least saw that I was a fighter, you know, and wow. that's how I learned taught myself keyboards. I didn't have my first lesson until I was about 23, and that was mind you, I was about 16 when I started. So you there.
0: just dove in and said, "I'm just, uh, I, this is
1: what I want to yeah. do." Yeah. Now,
0: when you got to the piano, did you stay there or were you still doing? So now were you playing three instruments yes. simultaneously?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's why you're such a good producer because you have this, all of these backgrounds helped. Yeah, yeah. And then, cool. in high school, my senior year, I started a band. And that was the other thing. You can't play violin or trumpet in a band, <laughs> really, can you? I would have learned. Dave Matthews, and then it's, yeah.
0: that's... That eccentric. wasn't cool back that, then. Not back then. <laughs> Took a long time for that to come yeah, around. Yeah, you know,
1: everything was either classical or avant-jazz, like, you know, Y'all Ponties or whatever. And that right. just wasn't, that wasn't that's part of my good. culture, if really. I'm in the body of the ghetto. No. You know what I'm saying? So, it was it was bass drums, guitar, <laughs> Van Halen. Van Halen was killing in the eighties. Yeah, Duran Duran. You know, so so
0: that's a great question. Who were some of your influences in the eighties? You mentioned Duran
1: Duran. Yeah, Nick Rhodes. They uh, because during that time he was really experimenting with synthesizers. You know, Prince. Prince. One hundred percent. Huge. You know, Jam and Lewis. You know how their sequencing was coming a big thing. You know, Michael Boddicker, he used to do all the programming for MJ. You know, Greg Philaganes. Yeah. You know these guys. I was stealing as much records as I could find just to hear their skills, you know? So in high school, I started a band, and went the summer before my senior year, I saved all my summer money to buy my first synthesizer.
0: Nice.
1: Right? So I bought this monstrous thing. My mom killed me because, you know, I'm supposed to help the family out with school clothes and all that, and that money wasn't coming home. It was going to the music store. Anyway, I had this big old thing. Didn't know what the hell it was. Didn't know what... What was it? Was do you remember the? It was a brand called Seal. S-I-E-L. It I doesn't that. exist, but it was wow. around then. I've never even heard of that one. And uh had a bunch of knobs and just whatever. Yeah. And that's, just dove in, taught myself until, at least when it came to keyboards. The, the learning to read music through trumpet and violin helped me read music on the piano. Right. But... Uh, the synthesis stuff was just reading books, yeah. finding books I could read and trying to figure out what it's supposed to do. I've been sequencing for live shows since 1986 and using the tricks. There was no There's reverb in keyboards, right? So what we, what I would do is I'd use a string sound or a synth sign that would had a decay and layer it with the top note. I'd layer the arrangement with the top note of that key, of that sound so it sounded like a reverb wow right smart so there was all kind of little tricks so you're layering
0: patches yeah doing all this
1: just to create the ambience or the pad or and back then keyboards were only like eight voice if you're lucky right so i would resample as well i'd create a big stack of sound with uh, the sonic um a few keyboards that i had the ceo keyboard i'd create a big stack and sample that into the emacs Wow. So then I could create a layered sound still using one voice. So it's basically the MIDI
0: equivalent of overdubbing and bouncing. Correct. Remember how on the Tascam, you know, four tracks, we would keep (laughs) bouncing? (laughs) So you're doing the MIDI equivalent of
1: that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But all these parts, I could integrate them because I really understood the guts of the beginnings of that stuff. So I made part of my tool chest as... Live performance again, performing with MIDI going all over the damn place wow. it was hard enough back then, it's hard enough now, yeah, with audio, but then it, you know sometimes you had to do tape backup because there wasn't anything fast, like now you got a hard drive with you know gigs and gigs of shit right back then it was <laughs> and it was on a tape machine, so we do half our show and we take an intermission, reload the keyboards with a tape machine.
0: Now, with the tape backups, what what yeah. was that?
1: Who, who made the, or do you... Well, it, uh, like, in Sonic at the time okay. who made, uh, they had a sampler and a keyboard called MSQ an one and various other ones. But I remember they, the esquire They would save the sequencer data in those via tape. Via tape. So it would be like all this scratchy, on the tape. And that's the digital information that would, for yeah. the, that would trigger now, the samples. And if anything happened to that tape, you you're, were you're fucked. fucked. Yeah. Which happened before. We set up a sh- concert for a label and producers and the whole bit. We did the first half. It was amazing. Went to load the show for the second half. It wouldn't load. It was all air. So The second half of the show was a bomb. Because it, it just failed. You know what I mean? So and we had tested it. We had tested it. Tested it. Triggers. Tested it. You know? It was just... Everything was lost. Man. So we did the show live anyway. We just yeah. didn't have all the bells and whistles bells that we were, we're bells working bells with. sounds... Different, yeah. say the least. <laughs> yeah. So that's the early start and that's why I've been in that side of the wow. game. Uh, and then I didn't go to college till I was 22. My first lesson in piano. So you were still in Houston mm-hmm. at that time. And then uh, college, where did you go? What did you I actually, uh, I, uh, I had a band, sorry, and we were signed to oh, BMG right. as an artist. This band I'm telling you about with all the sequence and Oh, shit. wow. We signed to BMG, did a big record, did it here in LA. Great guys, a whole bit. Uh, then, you know, as projects do, just didn't go anywhere, and mm-hmm. so decided we well, don't better go to college, to start building the war chest of You know what I'm going to do next. So I just walked into the local junior college and said, I want to come to school here and study music. What should I do? Yeah. And the guy, guy just looked at me and says, Well, you go over there and row. Mm-hmm. You pay your semester's fee, and then uh, you can start studying. And that's what I did. Smart. And after the first semester, the school ended up paying my entire ride because they realized what a gem they had. Well, I was getting into it. I yeah. was right there for business. Well, you were a gem. So then I start, took my first piano lesson. The woman goes, where did you learn? <laughs> I said, on my own. She goes, oh, man. You know there's <laughs> kids that have started since the womb to be playing, and you're trying to compete with them? I said, it's okay. Come on. Uh, Bring it on. Yeah, but they were in a different aspect. Yeah, a different aspect. Yeah. Started studying and picking up those legit skills. It, it, music changed for me. Well, I finished there and then went to Berkeley. Oh, well, you did? Yeah. In Boston, yeah, auditioned for Berkeley. Didn't make it as a musician, but I made it as a composer and arranger.
0: Nice,
1: which is fine because that's really was my goal. I wanted to know how to compose, arrange, to produce, and then they offered a program that does production skills. Mm-hmm. So back then it was all analog production skills. So I took that that course. So I left Berkeley with a dual degree with music production and engineering in composition and arranging. First of all, you graduated Berkeley. Absolutely. Got to give you a loud high
0: five on that one. Super cool. loud, bro. A lot of cats don't graduate. <laughs>
1: no, nah, I was going to finish. I'm going to go spend that money and not finish. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> good, good, good. That's
0: amazing. I, I'm one of them. I didn't graduate. Yeah. So, um, Okay, so now, wow. Now, I want to ask you a question because this is one of the things that I always harp on. I'm, I'm all about making decisions and, and being decisive at the beginning of your career is going to save you many years in the latter part of your mm-hmm. career. Um, me, I was indecisive. I knew I could sing and write songs, but I always kept it under. I just pushed it down. I was like, oh, nobody wants to hear me sing and write my songs. Mm-hmm. Had I really pursued that, I could perhaps already be the artist that I've always dreamt of being by now. Right. right? So that's a decision that I did not make. You made a decision. You said, well, I don't want to be the... Fancy Bebop guy or the next Vladimir Horowitz or whatever. I want to be composition, arranging, production. You made that decision. Correct. You're talking, you were 22, 21, 22, 23? Yeah, 22, yeah.
1: So that's a decision that you made early on, and it served you well, correct? I think so, not knowing then. I just knew what I wanted to do, that's it. I I guess, because I tried the artist thing young, right? And we were signed when I was 20 Mm -hmm. as an artist Mm -hmm. in a band, and yeah, it was fun. It was cool. We had our band. We had our following. We had the whole bit. But I was I really got off—not on those accolades. I was more like, I want to play. I want to make all kinds of music. Want to create stuff. Yeah, and I want to make a living at it. Right. I, I went to Berkeley to learn. They even told me when I enrolled, I said, I want to be able to produce records and write songs when I leave here. Right. Well, there's—we don't offer a program like that. You have to—you can either take one of these two, and what? Well, you know, well, can I take both? That because I wanted to know how to speak the technical language, and I wanted to know how to speak creative language. The more you can bridge those They're two worlds, kind of, yeah, yeah, and understand, and have a full understanding of both, both? both languages. Oof. You know, how do I talk to an engineer who's just totally technical? How do I talk to a songwriter artist who's totally creative, mm-hmm. and I'm on the other so side? Knows nothing about EQ shelving or yeah, um, <laughs> they, they don't. You know, <laughs> like whatever. Even though they Q should shelving. know, yeah. right? And yeah. that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the gold comes, I think, for guys who are willing to pursue that diversity, to have that diverse palette, so to speak, right? To be able to work in with engineers, make those decisions with creative people, you know. That's what Berkeley helped me. Which just ties us
0: back to that point a few minutes ago. Make a decision. So many hats. Well, make a decision, but so many hats we have to wear. Yeah,
1: true. So and if
0: you can do it successfully, what you have, that's impressive. Right. So you know, as I look at guys like you, I used to call myself a non-tech guy. Oh, I don't like that tech shit. No, no, no. I'll just hire a guy to program it for me. I'll hire... Blah, blah, blah. And then past 10 years, I'm like, no, no, no. no. I, can't, I, can't, I can't survive like that. No, past 15 or more years. You can't survive like that. You have to learn the tech language. You have to, especially now with the, the home studio is literally your, your laptop.
1: Mm-hmm. So the home
0: studio is on the plane, it's
1: on the train, it's in the back seat of a car, it's everywhere you go. It's in your backpack. It's synonymous with the way we grew up. You learn styles of music. Why? So you can be plug yourself into that. Right. And have that Just opportunity. Kind of Nowadays, if you're not paying attention to the technical side, you're not keeping up with where music is going, it or how it's a changing. Dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. And so you get, they'll go get the next guy because... Yes. The skills required in the industry yet yeah, the more skills you have the better. But again, with the manipulation pace capabilities now in computers, mm. do you have to be that great? Yeah, that's a question. You know, mm. if you're that great and you can knock it out, great. But chances are, this guy sitting in the bedroom got more time than money, and can sit there and practice until they get it right, and then quantize the shit out of it in the, in and the, finesse the, it the and, and, until it's good enough. Right. Now, I'm not saying that's right. Right. I'm just saying. It, it for a person who doesn't accept the changes and be technical and be right. creative and all those bring all that into one wheelhouse, they will find themselves being left out. It would not be as, uh, Yeah, as time progresses. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. as they say, uh, what you just described, fix it in post, basically. Yeah, basically. You know. <laughs> or, or fix it in mix with the mix. What they used to say. Yeah, basically. fix in the <laughs> mix. Right, right. <laughs> TV world is post. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I, I think cool. that's helped
1: keep me alive and going in the business. Wow.
0: So, so these concepts that you learned, some aware, some unaware at the time, uh, this is how you developed your, your methods and, and
1: the principles that you still adhere to to this day. Absolutely. It's staying diverse, remain a student. Mm. Say that one again, bro. Remain, remain a, student. a student. Everybody needs to hear that. <laughs> Even when you're the boss, remain a student. That's right. Oh, man. Learn from the people, like with working with you, Right. I know I'm not a good player, so you already got me there, right? So it's not about mm. one better than the other, but just no. your musicality and your experiences. Right. I want to be open to for that to inspire something. Right. Because we're all going for magic, right? So you might say something, you might play something. Mm. Wow, what'd you do there? How'd you do that? You know, or experience is always more valuable. If you can remain a student, require get more value, add more value to your wheelhouse, your, your skill set. Skill set, yeah. No. And remain diverse, then you have a good shot of staying busy in this right. ever-changing industry that's become more and more difficult. <laughs> and that's a nice
0: little uh, package of, of wisdom right there for, for aspiring career musicians. Absolutely. So thank you. Hey, uh, boast a little bit. A little bit of your resume credits. Who, who, uh, who have you worked
1: with? Yeah, good. Uh, recently, um, The Script. The Script. Huge. Of I have 12 with them in. for a long time. Right, uh, helped a young artist get get started in Australia named Joe Moore. Okay, a young artist in the UK named Sarah Close. Uh, other than that, uh, I mean, from on this side of the world, we got Raven. Yeah, like, I love my girl Raven. Everybody is so <laughs> Raven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but so the Raven. Temptations, Ray Charles, Stevie Wonder, Sting, Eric Clapton, Lauryn Hill, Will I Am. So nobody really big. Nobody big, really. <laughs> you know, Latin world: Paulina <laughs> Rubio, Olga Tanyon. Oh, wow. that's right. Uh, Forgot about the Latin world. Selena, when she was around, that was Selena. some of my start, Yeah, some of my starting sessions were with her back in the days. You know, wow, that's that's incredible, yeah, man. So and just uh, the whole gamut. A lucky, lucky, lucky guy. Yeah, you know, totally i don't i said the good man upstairs amen i i, I, with that. I agree with that yeah it's same, just you know same, yeah. i like to think i'm a badass but in the end yeah. you know it's just the doors open for me at different times different places and right. you know just took the shot you right. know right. i got more no's right. than yeses though but still have some decent credits yeah
0: that came like, up in yeah. conversation earlier and that's the truth we were talking about the love of the art and the love of the game uh
1: if you might interject on that, the psychology yeah. of the game. It's the music business. Right. The music is the art, the business is the game. Mm. Right? So mm. you, it's, you can't just learn music. Well put. You ain't gonna have no business. You just right. can't learn business. You just got no music. Then you'll just be the suit and you will yeah. be the the creative guy. Wishing yeah. you were that guy, right. the other guy, or the creative guy. So music business, I think, to be successful, and this probably is for any business, you really have to understand what it all is. You know, whether it's sales, whether it's research and development, whether it's you know, brand development, whether it's business development, that's that's all business terms. It's all of those are in yeah. our business. It's right. all of it is in our business,
0: you know. And then how shit. do you
1: be just creative? That's you know? so much. No, when each hat is on, so you have to have a mastery of both, in order to to, to be successful. Because if not, then if you just if you're all art, then your game's gonna be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. If you're all game, you might not create anything artistically that gives you anything of longevity. If you're in this for the love, so the love of the game is, yeah, you, you're gonna get screwed. For every kid starting out, you're gonna get jacked. <laughs> you're getting fucking line. No lube. Enjoy. That's it. And I said yeah. that. I remember saying that to myself when I first moved to LA. I'm just gonna get in line. Why? That's a good. That's a good uh, phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna get in line, in line because there's a million cats out here going for the same thing, right? So I'm gonna get in line. I'm gonna be patient. Work on my skills. Be ready. Right? I'm gonna be. T- I already know. Be told no a million times. Mm. I already know this. That's a, that's all right. I'm prepared. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Right. So I love that. I'm gonna be prepared because someone's gonna tell me yes. I'm gonna get a million no's. Someone's gonna tell me yes. When they tell me yes, I'm gonna run like a mofo and get it right. Right. So I get in line. So my first cuts were like ten percent, fifteen percent. Started growing until I was fifty-fifty. Now, when you say cuts, you mean songwriter splits, songwriter splits? Because right. I, I was, you know being thrown in a room with people with more seniority right even though I made done more to work but hey 10 percent is better that than no happens. percent yep. and it finally it slowly moved up to where I was just doing co-writes 50/50 with right. an artist
0: right
1: you know doing the full production you know so that's I got cool. in line that's cool so that was the business side of me right, right? that was the love of the game knowing what was going to happen speaking to other cats getting opportunity to just take bits and pieces of information from cats at that time where there was no internet you know to say right. just get in line and wait. And then on the art side, the love of the art was just always working on my skills, the songwriting, the arranging. Mm-hmm. You know, s- sampling was coming out big. Learning how to sample and create recreate things and right. you know, as t- technology was changing, how do I learn that, you know, so that when that call comes on the on the love of the game side, I'm ready on the love of the art side. And I starved, don't get me wrong, bro. It's yeah. not like, you know, I had a trust fund to lean on. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bust ass to to, to make the ends meet.
0: Okay, we got the Grammys. We got the theme song for The Shield on TV from 2002 to 2008. And then we have the script. Like one of my favorite pop rock bands of the past several decades. That's right. Rodney has been their music director, producer, co-writer, and such on the road with them. Again, what's the theme here that we see, folks? We wear many hats as career musicians. Versatility is key. But most of all, we have to figure out how to set ourselves up so that we have future income. And I love listening to Rodney talk about songwriting and publishing and how he's gotten into that game. But I also love all his other insights from touring the globe with the script to working with several Latin artists and being on the Latin Grammy board on a regular basis and getting his hands dirty, really getting involved with the Recording Academy. If you've enjoyed today's interview, please subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast and leave a review. I was just gonna ask you about time management. With all the different hats we wear in the tech world, the creative world, and in the business world, because really, I guess you you could pair it, distill it down to three elements, right? It's like, you know, tech, creative business. Not, not in any order, mm-hmm. but those are the three things we have to do. Is there a particular schedule
1: you try to adhere to? <clears throat> or do you literally allow your mood dictate what you're going to do next? I try not to allow the mood because our yes. moods are finicky. I so agree with that. Thank you. And discipline is not built on mood. <laughs> no. Today I feel like it. Today I don't. What you think you're going to get done? You know, Not much. Uh, I think that's, what, that's why I love the arts in general. You can't cram for, for the opportunity. You can't. Even. Right?
0: 10,000 hours is mandatory. Yeah, unfortunately, you got to put
1: that in first. <laughs> it just doesn't happen without it, right? Yeah, and then the call comes. You got to be ready. Yeah, right. But you can't say, oh, man, I got to call tomorrow for a gig. Oh, how do I figure out how to program that? Oh, man, what do I, what I need to know about fucking you know, Afro-Cuban <laughs> mixed with Japanese, right. whatever. You know? Yeah. You can't. That's too late. Right. It's gone by right. So if you're not preparing to that point, and that's where time management comes in. You have to be, again, I'm being a student. Right. Using your time absolutely wisely. We all got to survive. Right. So if it's work in the morning, then you got to carve out your time at night. If it's right. work at night, you carve out your time in the day. Sleep, you can sleep when you're old. It, that's what I <laughs> would say, sleep when you're dead. <laughs> yeah, so at, at this point, yeah. it's try to set a schedule. The more disciplined you can be about your creative time, the more yeah. creative you're going to be. Even when you don't feel like it. That's what I learned to do. I realized that I work best, get in the morning. And I've heard all kinds of different sure. time management skills. Yeah, I'd love to Some hear Some people yours. are yeah. creative, writing to get up in the morning and have yeah. fresh ideas before they get into work. Yeah. Where, to me, I like shit out of the way. Okay. Right? So I know I have calls to make. I know I take my girls to school. Or I know I have to do something just that is needs- not creative. Yeah. I like to get it out of the way. Sure. That way when I say when I can sit down and be creative, I'm not thinking about, oh man, I got I'm gonna start this amazing idea, then all of a sudden I gotta leave. So you got this to do list of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kinda of discipline myself to take care of everything I need to take care of in the morning. And right. if I needed more time, just get up earlier. Because yeah. by one o'clock, I wanna be rolling. So 1 o'clock starts your creative hour. Yeah. Your creative I want to have my day done. And if people are banging out emails to me, they're waiting till the next day to get done. That's the other hard part.
0: Now I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> Thank you. And especially nowadays with phones, tablets, laptops, and you get the little dings, ping, ping, ping. I turn that shit off, right? Yeah. Turn all the alarms and notifications off. Yeah. So
1: do you struggle with not answering some of those? Yes, notes? because I still know that some things are pressing. Some, you know. <laughs> especially so especially on the management
0: side, sometimes they need to know
1: math, But you also need right? a break in creative world. Right? Okay. So, so if, how do you handle that? If I take a break in the creative world, I'll check the list of what's come in. Okay. You know, and and just be disciplined to go, that shit can wait till tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Not to procrastinate, right. But just say, I don't want to put time into that because it's gonna take me away from my main goal, which is creating right. opportunity by being creative. Right. So then or I say, you know what? I know that I can answer that tonight when I'm ready to get to bed and I'm just ending my day. I can answer a lot of this stuff, leave it out, they'll get it in the morning. They may answer me by the time I even get up in the morning. And then we're back on it and by one o'clock it's done.
0: Nomad here with the Career Musician Podcast. Thank you for listening. I wanted to tell you about hashtag AskNomad to ask me any music-related questions, and I will respond usually within 24 to 48 hours. Again, that's hashtag AskNomad. Ask me anything you'd like about the music biz, about your instrument, about practicing, about music theory, anything at all that has to do with music and I will answer your questions share repost and put it out there for all of the career musician podcast family to see and hear thank you so much for listening this is nomad and remember to use hashtag ask leave a review and subscribe to the career musician podcast the, the muse was running so quickly He's like,
1: oh, I need this track. I need this track. So you know, funny you mentioned that because part of time management, now that you, if you can allocate time to be creative, then you need to figure out how to maximize the time. Thank you. That's right? the golden word. So you were saying right now, you don't know when the muse is striking and how for right. how long or whatever. You have to know in your time that you set aside how mm. long is creative time. Yes. How long is now pre-production time or production time, right. mixed time or mix time or whatever time, time. because mm. when you're trying to produce, arrange, and mix while you're writing or creating, well, you're fucking up. Yeah. You're not getting the whole picture yet. So you're already taking yourself out of the game before it's even over. I think a lot of that is going on in the industry today. I think so, too. Let the download finish. The download finish. (laughs) Well,
0: it's like you and I were talking, I think, last year. I had you over to the studio, and I was saying that I wanted you to produce some stuff Mm -hmm. for Nomad and Lola. And you said, you know what, man? Just give me guitar vocal demos, and that's it. And, and for some reason, Rod, it was like, well, I never thought of that." <laughs> I was like, "I'm so stupid. I'm a guitar player, singer, songwriter. Why would I?" Of course, I. that's the logical place to start. Why we think that we don't have to do that anymore, or or or, you know, what happens to me? I think that I have to do more. Right. I think I have to produce this amazing demo. Well, then it's not a demo. Then Correct. it's a then it's a master. A yeah. yeah, Then it's a full record. So, what do you. And
1: in and, and doing that, we're losing sight of what we're really trying to do in fairness. We're cheating ourselves. Yes. Because we're trying to do it all. That's, ah. the, that's the first problem. And that comes from the mini hat deal. The mini hat deal. That's the discipline, also, the mini hat deal. The, yes.
0: The discipline, <laughs> but also, I believe that's the, the self awareness of knowing look, it's why you called me. I know Nomad's going to kill these guitar parts mm-hmm. with all of his knowledge. I know, I'm, me, Rodney, I'm going to kill all this keyboard stuff with my knowledge, and then I can zoom, right? hmm Absolutely. And, and you weren't trying to mix while you were tracking. No. You weren't even really producing while you were I tracking. I wasn't even in the control room. You I? were just tracking with us. <laughs> yeah. You were like, all right, guys, let's take this next song and see what happens. And then, at the end
1: of the day, you would step out, and then you would kind of produce some things. But change the hat. Change, because you have to. Biggest thing, when you really slice this down and make it really lame in terms, good enough is the enemy of great. Not bad. Good enough. Good enough. Because we can sit there and create, oh man, that's good enough. Right, let's move on to the next thing. You just cheated yourself out of the opportunity. Great. Why? Because wow. it was good enough. Right? So, when we did those sessions, my whole theory was let's just play as a band. Let's play these new songs as a band. You know? Let's use our skills. Let's use our connections. Let's use, you know, everything we got to just play this down. And then we'll go in and listen as let's, listeners. As listeners. We ain't trying to be analytical and jury and the judge and everything while we're trying to play. It, the moment's gone and you've lost the moment We've of giving lost. it everything you had in that particular moment. So now we're doing it again anyway. So because why? You could tell, we lost focus. Right. Right. So right. it's it's you do have to wear many hats. The next important thing is to know which hat to wear at what time. What time? There's nothing wrong with working better. I believe every I try to work with every musician who's one hundred times better than me. Right. I know my strength. My strength is being able to pull performances from people. Right. Whether they're talented, amazing talent, or have a limited talent. Right. I know that's my goal. That's why I all wanted to study production. I want to study arranging and writing. So I can see somebody and go, you don't even know music. You know? They don't know how to write, read, or anything. But can you play me this part and maybe sing it to them, maybe figure it, help them figure it out and speak in their terms. So mm-hmm. pulling a performance out, that's, I feel part of my goal, whether it's live or, or in the studio. I do a project, and it's accepted, and we win. We move on to the next one. Bam. Right? My ego is going to... That's gonna, so you know, smart. If, if my ego says, no, you can do it on your own. Do it all by yourself. The ones I tried that way didn't go anywhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, I so, missed something. Yeah, it backfires. Yeah, absolutely. I might as well own it. And work with great talent. That's, anyway, that's That's the fun of music, when uh, you work with other when people. When you collaborate. Yeah. We, I
0: also feel that the, 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 we're missing the collaborative experience. Oh, uh, 100%. To to. We
1: don't have that anymore. I mean, we do, but not as in depth. What's funny is, I did a couple of things last year online. So I met some cats. They sent me the tracks while sure. I was in London. Sure. I laid down layers and layers of stuff because I said, I'll just take a day, right. lay down roads, lay down an organ, lay down this, that, that. Take a pick, Let them sift through it. Yeah. Send it back to them. They sifted through it. Maybe they liked it. Maybe they didn't. Send it back. But the point was, we were still trying to be collaborative. Right. Right? Yeah, at yeah, at yeah. a distance. And I thought the internet would create more collaborative effort in that way. But it seems people have become too, like, no, this is my this deal. This is mine. You know? And I'm going, now we're losing the point. Because I remember the days hanging yes. out at the studios here in Burbank. And I fall up on a project. Just having to walk just in the door and walk- someone needed something. I'm here. Let's do it. Boom, and we knock it out. How cool You know, whether is it was that? a small little track for boys to men, whether Pink was in the other room, and I'm just laying an unknown little part, threw a little idea out, and it built another relationship. How cool you is know? that? That was cool. Then we're now online, it's just everything is so segmented. Instead of going, you know what? Send yes. me the. And I do tell people this. Send me, send me unique keyboard parts. Send them to send me. Send it. Right. You know, I work with your budget because right. if I can do it on my time in my studio, then it's then I work with you. Conducive, right? Actually, if you need me to be somewhere, well, then obviously there's other things that are required for that to happen. But if I can do it in my place at at a time, giving me a, a fair amount of time to do it, yeah, I work with you in the budget. But it gives me also time to give you different ideas, give you what you want, plus different ideas, and we're collaborating again because I uh, on the same project I'm telling you about. I sent it back to the guy, and he goes, "Yeah, I, I like what you play, but I don't think it fits for what I was hearing. I said, well, then what were you hearing? Because you didn't give me a roadmap, map, really. He goes, yeah, because I just wanted to see what you came up with. So I went way left, and he was looking for something mm-hmm. way right. But he was just, he goes, well, can we do it again, and can you do these parts and pick up this thing? There?
0: Well, therein lies the, the little issue with collaborating, cool. collaborating from afar. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better to collaborate in the room. It, a oh, great true. example, I'm working on something now. Where this guy is Brazilian, he's from Brazil, and he goes, "No, no, no man, you can play his guitar parts in your sleep." And I said, "You know what? I think it would be better if you just come to the studio, <laughs> so that way
1: I know exactly. You know, I could see you. You sh- you show me physically, sure. in person, to to not wow. lose that connection um, and work really and stay busy. You know, it's true. You got to be open to other ideas. You know, we so, have to. We yeah. have to. And for years, it's been going like that.
0: Yeah." Hey, not to switch lanes so sure, quick, switch but, lanes, but what we <laughs> etiquette. There's two types of etiquette for me as far as I'm concerned, as, as the musician act goes. There's touring and there's studio. What do you have to say about the two different types of etiquette? And I know you just came off several world tours with the band The Script, uh, and you even uh, relocated for a while yep. t- over to London, mm-hmm. and you've worked with them
1: very closely in Dublin. Uh, so etiquette in that response. What if you had to, it's a great question because yeah. a lot of people fail to realize there are really two different courses to take. When you're touring, it's more about personal attitude. It's more about are you cool? Right? Can you get on with the program no matter what your position is? The only one who gets away with all the shit is the artist. Mm-hmm. And if you're not the artist, then you need to figure out how you get on with not only the artist, management, production, you know, you better reply. About so and it has nothing to do about your talent. Zero to do with your talent. <laughs> Zero. Zero. A hundred percent. And if you, to do with your does, attitude. if you think it does, if you think it does, you ain't gonna be there very long. Then you're long. mistaken. Yeah. Absolutely mistaken. Yeah. Now, that's touring. Now you do have to know your craft. You do. You know, mm-hmm. no one's on a, a level a tour of that level without knowing their craft. You're on that tour of that level because you have the right personality, and attitude, you understand the game, and understand the art of that particular one. And in the last tour I did, it was really, you know, different artists like to do different things. So you have to fit in with what how the artist wants to be presented, you know, where with the script, they like their songs like they're recorded, mm-hmm. you know, and... So you play it that way. So you're produ- reproducing the record every night on stage. Correct. Added ele- there's some added elements, but I would say the core of the song has to be in place first. Unlike in America, you go to Bruno Marsho and you'll see him rearrange everything. Huh. Right? You can hear the song, but there's all added breaks. There could be you know different order of the uh, arrangement. There's a different, different approach. Instrumentation sometimes. Yeah. And then, yeah. So you have to know you can't, you know, I can't go to them and say, no, man, we got to do this, we got to do it. That. No, that's how they like to do it. You have to get on with the program, you know, and if you want to go work with someone like Bruno who likes to change it up, you can't be the guy that goes, no, man, we got to play it the same all the time. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Got to learn how to get on with the program. Okay. In the studio, you are there to facilitate someone else's vision, right? So the etiquette there is you are a vessel for someone else's ideas unless you are the artist right again again we're talking about a career musician not a career artist right. yes so you musician then there is a differentiation yes yeah. you are hiring me to come in to facilitate your idea now it's great to have new ideas it's great to hear things and be able to offer them up but you can't get offended when someone tells you no nah, i don't like that play it like this and if you say, I am playing it like that, and they go, well, it ain't like this. It's not sounding like that. You, it, Guess what? It is not right to argue with the person. You're going to be gone. Literally. Just figure out what they want. Your job is to facilitate their vision. Hmm. If you're the bass player and they want you to play just whole notes, play just whole notes. Footballs, as I say. That's like it. Diamonds. Yeah. Who are you to come in and tell the person how they're supposed to do it? A very good friend of mine, who I use all the time in, in, the, in the drum world, let's oh, put it there, yeah. will always tell me, it's not traditional. <laughs> he feels like it's his duty to tell you that, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's my brother. <laughs> I love him. But I tell him, like, that's why I want it 20. different. <laughs> I don't want traditional. If I wanted traditional, I really know traditional. I would have told you, play traditional. You are a vessel. That's right. And your job is to really get into their mind and figure out, okay, how can I best. And if I have something that are they open to new ideas? That's mm-hmm. another thing. Not everyone's open to new ideas. And you have to know how to read that on Correct. the person. Correct. You can't fuck that up. You misread that. That could be a, a fatal move. Absolutely. Yeah. You can you can talk too soon. You know. You just got to know when the right time is, if at all. But yeah, that the, the etiquette is important. Obviously, the touring world. And yes. Thank you. World. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I really, yeah. I definitely like
0: to shed light on that. A lot of people ask me, so how do you get involved with writing music for TV and film? Well, it's a journey just like any other in this business. Rodney has accomplished quite a bit as a Golden Globe Award winner for the Best Drama Series with the theme song, the main title of The Shield, but he also was the composer for the theme song Thief, which is another show on the FX Network additionally he was the main title co-producer for the cbs series now and again and he was the main title producer for the latin version of the ellen theme so once again my point is versatility is king take it from somebody with a resume like rodney you're listening to the career musician podcast um we're wrapping up here man uh you know, I, we covered so much in this interview. You really covered a lot of my last few points here. But the other segment, the other side of the coin was the business. Uh, and me, I'm a stickler for business interaction, business acumen on, on your own. You know, I believe it's your responsibility mm-hmm. to do your due diligence and find out, you know, just like when you're graduating from high school and you might be entering college or the workforce, you have to learn how to, you know, get a bank account and balance your checkbook. Of course, now balancing your checkbook is a hell of a lot easier than it was when we grew up. Because we did it by hand with a ledger, (laughs) a pen and a ledger. Nowadays it's all digital. But you know, so it could be something as little as, you know, budgeting or something as big as, you know, dealing with accountants. I know you and I have talked quite a bit about The IRS and Mm -hmm. taxes, because we've both had our, you know, ideas or things that we have to deal with. Scheduling, planning, negotiating, you know, if you could just say a few little things on business
1: acumen. Yeah, this is is the the wild, wild west. This is why negotiation skills and understanding the position. He who has the gold makes the rule. That's the golden rule, right? Uh So if you're trying to work for a label, this is what I said earlier today, you're going to get jacked you trying to work for a label, and they know you're low man on the pole. You just got in line, so to speak. Yeah, they might give you enough to survive. Yeah, you might be worth more. Yeah, you might supposed to earn more, but how are you going to get it? Because what they're going to tell you is take the deal or leave it. It's mm. a wild, wild west. Mm. So you have to—how the how you get your gold to be able to make some rules is you get in line, you get those small bits, add up those credits, add up those credits, add up those credits, up those credits Right. And as you build those credits and that background, now you can start requesting more. Then you get to demanding more. Mm-hmm. Right? So the business part of it is know where you know the lane you're in, know the progress you're making. In the meantime, pick up all the skills you can the sales skills, the negotiation skills, you know, the politically, you know, how to politic well skills. You know, how, how about, to network skills. How
0: about the person who says, oh, no, I'm an awkward, introverted type. I'm,
1: well, that's me. Yeah. I'm a you total st- introvert. You still got to game. Right? You got gotta gotta and, right? <laughs> you gotta know to know when to turn deal. it on, turn it off, and know when you can have it turn it off, you know? Find a good attorney, great attorney. My attorney is not in L.A. I did that for a reason. My accountants are not in L.A. Did that for a reason. You got to know the... The, you got to know, incorporate, how, should you incorporate? Should you not incorporate? We've had these conversations. Yes, we have. That you was know, one of the things I picked your
0: brain about. Yeah,
1: how do you run a business that's going to benefit you the most to be able to do what you say you love to do? Right? So, on that business game, you know, there's a lot to be gained by putting your ducks in a row. That way, when you are waiting for that opportunity to come and when it does come, you can maximize that return right so mm-hmm. one of my first gigs was uh you know, i was I, I was in corp I, I i was lucky hit record made a fair amount of money and notice how it was gone in taxes learned the whole corporation thing quick yes <laughs> too late to get back what i already spent what i already paid but the next go round, i set myself up to go you know what if that ever happens again I'm sorry, I'm all about paying my taxes, but if I, I there's a lot of business expenses I wasn't allowed to take because mm-hmm. I wasn't set up properly. I wasn't properly paired. I, I was, was all S-core about the art. The LLC, no. right. Right. So yeah. I set up that S Corp, got in business. So now when the when the next big opportunities came and they did come, thank God, and it was all business. Right. So I could really maximize, you know, the fruit of my labor to keep me in those lean times for one, like my publishing, mm-hmm. you know writer royalties, funneling them the right way so that I can use them as a business income and not a personal income.
0: Mm,
1: you know, correct. And then again, learning those skills to be able to talk to people, know what they want, know the business well so well that when a, when a label calls me and says, "Look, I'm not gonna force a negotiation," knowing how, what what the rates are, right? Right. Now, if someone offered me more than what the going rate is, I ain't gonna argue either. <laughs> right. Not. And if it's less than what the going rate is, then I have to figure out, is there other value in this? Because this can't be all about money, right? We need money to survive. I totally get that. But there's an exposure opportunity. There's a connection opportunity. There's, I don't know how many damn demos I did for Capitol Records and never got like production out of the particular staff that was there at the time when Capitol Records was there on Vine. But you were planting seeds, as you say. Someone and else came in. And heard something. Heard something. And that led to other opportunities. There you go. Right? So, I made nothing for a while from them. And then all of a sudden, I made a fair amount from them. So, it was... I always just looked at it as, more no. Just means that yes is coming. There's only so many no's. Like, $10,000 you got to put in. There's only so many no's going to happen until that yes comes. Right? You get 999 no's. The thousandth is a yes. It's your life. You know? So, the whole business thing is be prepared... Don't force something that's not necessary. If you know, mm. if you know the union rate is whatever it is and they're being fair, why are you arguing for tw- twice as mm. much? Yeah, you just can't do that because all you've done is ruin your reputation. Well, oh, no. that guy's good, but he's no, he's yeah, trying to, to Man, I don't yeah. want to deal with that. Don't want to deal with it. Outpriced yourself. It's already hard enough as it is. Then to be and yeah, I plenty of times I've done gigs where I knew the other guy got maybe a little bit more. But I said, you know what, karma. It all comes back around. That's why I say it can't all be about money. That's right. There are other aspects to it that, you know, the give and the take. And, that, and then, you know, the music world massages it, and then there you are doing something amazing. Where'd that come from? Well, it, because you weren't a dickhead. <laughs> you know? And they're That's probably right. making up for something, you know, you got a little less on. And then there's times I know I got more than I should have. And how many times have we had those conversations with managers or whomever in that realm
0: say, Listen, man. You know, this one, you have to do me a favor, but I promise next time around, I'll make it up to you. And, it, you know, nine times out of ten, they do. Yeah, typically you know. a legit guy will. Uh, absolutely. 100%. A good person with yeah. with good
1: faith and, you know, wants to do that. And there's business you do with people where you may not charge a full rate because it is what it is. I know you gave me a great rate. I know I <laughs> underpaid you for the gig we did together. Uh, but I didn't want to miss that opportunity. But we, that was yeah. a blast. We had a great we had time. Such a
0: good time, first of all. Yeah. But it's <laughs> always about the hang, right? Yeah. Because yeah. again, part of we
1: it. are chasing the muse, correct? And if you're going to chase the muse together, you might as well enjoy your company. Absolutely. And if greater things come of it, yes. you know, there's things in the works to make to make that up. Yes. You know what I mean? So in the end, and I'm glad I say it on record because that is true. You know. Um, but in the end, it can't always be about money. That's whether you're charging or uh, whether like, someone's hiring me and I want a certain amount or I'm working with other people. I want to pay people well because I've mm-hmm. been in the boat where I haven't. Mm-hmm. Right? But if I can't pay, I will ask you, can you do this? And if you can't, I'm not going to be offended. Everyone has their limits. You know? So you, it's on both sides of the business you have to be willing to give and take. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's been part of my goal as well. started out when I was a teenager. And I've been in this business till now I'm 49. Hmm. So full-time as a musician, right? It's been been able to work that maze out. When it was the time to go left, when it was the time to go right. Understand my position with a label, especially. Because they're always going to try to squeeze you for the dollar, mm. right? But if I know what my going rate is, I know what the going rate is, I'm not going to argue them over, well, give me more. Fuck it, just give when, me the deal. When you
0: know it's not going to happen, especially...
1: The first it's TV so deal I did, the one we mentioned earlier, yes. I had no clue about what was involved. I okay. meant to ask you about that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, how yes, that happened. Yes, please, please. Uh, I got a phone call. Hey, would you like to go to a screening of a TV show? Okay, sure. What happens? Oh, you see the show, and then they kind of just tell you a brief about it, and that's it. But you're only going as a friend because you know, they're going to have other people there, and I don't want to go by myself. Oh, so you're just a friend. It was literally yeah, a friendly Yeah, I wasn't invited even to... Pro- to, prove, to uh, submit anything. Just a friendly... <laughs> yeah. And, and since and, I'd never had that experience, I wanted to know what that was like for what? The next time. Uh, amen to uh, that. Investing, yes. investing, investing. So we went to the thing in Santa Monica. We sat there, watched the pilot, and it was pretty hardcore. The SHIELD was pretty hardcore for how it came about. Uh, of what they were showing. And it was a cutting edge at the time. So I saw the guy gave the brief to the other... Composers and producers in the room. So I left there and I told my friend, "Why? Wow, I have an idea. Why don't? I mean, I, I can't let it go. I have an idea. Hmm. Like we left the building, and I had a phrase that came into my mind from the TV show, right? And it was the, the phrase was just another day, because the cops looked like all this murder and all this bullshit they were going through it was just like another, just day. another day at work. Huh? Yeah, and there was no real it's emotion into it, right? Yeah. And she was like, well, no, we weren't allowed to, we weren't invited to invite, but doing this, let's just fucking be ballsy and let's just do it. What's it gonna hurt? Drove <laughs> home, that was on a Friday. Over the weekend, I produced up a little 30-second clip,
0: yeah.
1: right? And figured out the hook, what it was gonna be. I called my friend over and said, let's get a couple more lyrics in here to help, you know, because they invited me, and sure. I wanted to be Please. bring them in on it. You have to, And absolutely. so we said, boom, let's send it out, right? Now, a couple months later, a phone call, y'all got the gig. So nothing for a couple months. You hear nothing. nothing.
0: And and that's testament to the fact that oftentimes you have to create, submit,
1: and forget.
0: Yep. That's it. Because if you did not forget for those eight weeks, you would have been Killed sick. <laughs> <would>
1: have been... <laughs> plus, I knew no, 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 was none the wiser. I'd never right. done this before. It was a you know, just we just try it, right? Because I had nothing to lose. I already figured it out by the time I drove home. So I just laid it down over the weekend, brought her in, added extra lyrics, and we turned it in. So they didn't even call back with revisions or recalls or edits? They Not just, even that. They got they, it. They said, you got the gig. I just got a call yeah. and says, you got the gig. Now we have some revisions. And I was like, well, what does this mean? So I didn't know. I called my attorney. Wow. So said, like, what does this mean? <laughs> like, well, How much am I supposed to charge? I, I don't know what the fuck to do. I don't know how right? this works, yeah. So in the end, I didn't. They told me what the terms were going to be. Right. Of course. And being none the wiser, I'm fuck it. Okay. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. I'm in. Because why? That one credit was worth more than any money they could have paid me. And I'll tell you why. That show hit. It did. That show hit. But from that, I got to pitch so many more shows. Wow. And from that, I got two other shows. One on primetime that didn't last too long. And another one on effects that was automatic. Like, I got called and says, look, we know you can do this. So there's other people submitting. And the guy there was cool. He said, look, I just want you to send me something. And I was in New York at the time doing something else. And so I said, all right, don't well, get home till like a couple of days. He goes, cool, we got a little bit of time. Went home, knocked out that new theme, sent it over. And again, didn't hear anything. He just, he just wanted me to pitch. Okay. And it, but it landed me. Now, on that gig, I got paid more than the Shield. more than, Like, I got paid a wow. load of money for that main theme. Can we ask which show that was? It was called Thief with Andre Brower. Okay. okay. You know, it opened the door. That one show opened the door to everything. Amazing. So me being none the wiser, I learned quickly after that, don't get me wrong. Okay. So, and even on the next go round, they tell me this is what the budget's going to be. This is what the Can terms work, are. This is what the terms are. And it was fair at the time. So I was like, okay. Again, I'm not going to argue. I did negotiate a couple of things, but not... Oh, I want double cuz I have a hit show. Hard. No, no, absolutely. I, because I always figure the first time you're lucky, mm. the second time you're good, and the third time you're made. I like that. Right? Lucky, good, good made. made. <laughs> and that way, when you reach made, then you're getting calls to get stuff done, and you don't have to worry you about you don't have to solicit yourself. Solicit yourself anymore. And not only that, you're not taking the hit so much either. You have proper credit. Now, good could mean three major credits. It could mean one major credit, depending on how, you know, which show you land. Now, I was landing shows on, on FX and Fox. Hmm. So those were adding up. Amen. So that hit I took at the beginning, right? What ended up paying residuals for years and still does, that little didn't know anything, none the wiser, didn't need to argue it, just took the gig to take it, ended up opening all these other opportunities where I got a placement on this show and a placement on that show, underscore that show, this show, that show. Did the Spanish theme, The Ellen. Wow. I got called to do the, the translation of her English theme, put it in Spanish, so she could run it on various Latin holidays. Right? Beautiful. This leads me to this point, when to say no thank you. Because
0: you said yes, thank you to all of these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you for the call. When is the rare time when you feel like you have to say no? The rare time to say no.
1: Oh, that's hard. That's a tough one, yeah, isn't it? Is it is hard. It's hard. It's,
0: it's more of a, of a gut
1: instinct. Than anything visceral, do, would you agree? Yeah, because it's not going. I first of all, I know my limitations. That's the first thing. So mm. if I know something is outside of my right. ability to be right. to, to help someone else and mm-hmm. execute it, great. I'll find the next guy who can, right? right? And maybe even refer them. Absolutely, right? hook so, them up because that'll come back to me. that come back. Way. I always say that. Right. So yes, if you can know my that. limitations, right? But if it's within my abilities. To perform at the top of the game with whomever I'm working with, it it comes down to what you said, just a gut feeling.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And it really comes down to they are they stand up because I'm going to try my best, right? And it comes back to me dedicating this time. It's not that I'm doing something for you for money. I'm donating my time. I'm dedicating my time, which you don't get back, right? For something that you're going to do. And if you're going to mistreat me, then I don't want to deal with that. That's when I say no. If I have that feeling mm. that this doesn't feel right, you know, it doesn't sound right, the business doesn't sound right, uh, so all right, it's all right, fella. It's At cool. the end of the day, everything is a relationship. Yeah. Okay. Now, and now how you let them down, because you never know again. Mm. Right? Yeah, what's your trick? I'll price myself. If I know, it, you know, it's worth X, I might charge double the amount. Hmm. Right? And that way, at least, why am I giving away my secret? Uh, <laughs> if they're that serious, they'll pay it, and then I demand they pay half, and then whatever. And then you know you won't get burned. At least, at least, at least I won't get burned. It's It's Correct. a, it's a sure guard. Right for your own. It, that's one way to do it. And that way it doesn't sound like I'm really blowing them off. They might just go, "You just kind of up, you uppriced yourself, and you know there's another cat will do it." Oh, great, cool, man. We'll tell you what, call me on the next one. Yeah. Thank you for calling me. I always yeah. said, thank you yeah. for the call, for the opportunity. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, keep the door open. Please keep me in mind for the future. Because that cat may get it together. Right. You know? You never know. You never know. And there's mm-hmm. been artists that have done that. You know, all of a sudden, like, they've they figured it out somehow, some way, and then, right. you know, you've kept that door open and you've been able to reconnect with them. You know? Mm. So, I, even in a yes, if you agree to do something, do it to the best of your ability, get it done, move on. If you don't like the situation, you don't have to work with the person again. But don't start all the badness because it'll get around. And if you do have an issue with somebody, try to straighten it out. And if you're in the wrong, accept you're in the wrong. I've been in that position before. Communication is huge. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of the times, because I always say that as the
0: creative types we are, emotions are flaring, right? And it's always hard
1: for us to detach from those emotions and actually communicate. You have to communicate. Yeah. You have to communicate. And misunderstandings are going to happen. Yes. Yeah, everyone gets in a bad mood. Everyone's going through shit in their life, so there are things that can crisscross. Just find the time to figure it out, you know. Even if it's just not to have a bad connection in the world. You don't want the animosity, right? No, it's not going to help bring the good Anything. things, you know. So, kind of smooth that all over, and you move on. And move on. Yeah, you know. That's it. Okay. Last question. Sure. Memorable moment or
0: moments you had a beautiful journey you're still going to continue to have a beautiful journey what are you know one or two memorable moments where you say wow this is really
1: happening or I have a studio moment and I have a live moment oh, perfect the studio moment I left college I moved to San Francisco not the biggest music capital in the world and I was doing stagehand work for about two three weeks looking for a job in the music industry. That's called a hustle, baby. Right. So you're hustling while you're searching. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing stagehand work because uh, I wanted to be around the music industry. So putting on shows, you know, unloading trucks, setting them up, blah, blah, getting dirty. Wow. And that's humility too. Yeah. Uh, and I was working a spotlight. Uh, ended up working a spotlight for a private gig, a corporate gig, and the Temptations were performing. So I was sitting there and again, this is late nineties or whatever. And I'm going, Man, these guys have had a run. You know, I'm running the spotlight, right? Learn again, being sure. diverse. Learn how to forget to do shit, you that's know. awesome. Running the spotlight. There's attempts performing going to myself, man, these guys have had a run. It would be amazing. I wonder if that's even possible in this day and age of music career. But just to write songs like that and the way to produce songs the way they were doing all that Motown stuff was running through my head and the history that I learned of it. And here I am following on the fucking spotlight. That's cool. And then Two weeks later, I'm in the studio producing their first platinum record. What? Yes, sir. (laughs) Bro, you never even told me that. No? Oh. Yeah. So I'm running the spotlight. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: So you're taking cues from the LD, the lighting director for this show. Yeah.
1: This corporate event. Yeah. Two weeks later... Okay, so what happened in the two weeks? What happened in the two weeks was there's a very known producer in the the, Bay Area called Narda Michael Walden. Of course. Big big songwriter, yep. big hit maker in the late eighties, nineties. Absolutely, I had been sending stuff to him to try and get on with his in his camp as a writer, as a producer. So I'm sitting. That hadn't heard much, nothing really, you know. So I'm running the spotlight. And when you say send, you're talking the nineties. So you're sending it via mail. A package
0: yeah. correct, You're getting a FedEx or a UPS, package. <laughs> correct, yeah, with a cassette tape and my stuff. Wow, yeah, it's a big difference so, than yeah.
1: email or add them up on DM on Twitter. So I'm sitting there running the light. After that's over, within those two weeks, uh, I get a call out of the blue. I hear my friend who was in the Bay Area that one friend I had said, I hear Narda, um, is looking for another guy because he's about to have some major run of artists come into the studio to help with the songwriting and producing duties. And I'm like, click, got in my car, drove straight over to the studio. Smart. Knocked on the door. So that was the impetus to get you over
0: there in San Fran, in the Bay Area?
1: No. No. No, I just went oh. to the Bay Area because I love the Bay Area. Oh, see, that's even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, went over there, knocked on the door. They obviously oh, went their business hours, obviously let me in. I said, I just want to meet with Narda. And, you know, I have my tape. I've been sending music, blah, blah, blah. He said, and he saw me in the hallway. Hey, 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 who are you? I tried to explain to him real quick. I have some music. And Narda being the sweetheart, he is. All right, well, let's listen to it. So we listened to it. Right there on the spot. Right there on the spot. How cool is that? Right? And he listened to it. And he goes, "And what's your story? So I'm explaining my story while he's telling me. And he goes, "Um, okay, well, I'd like to try you out. This was a Friday. He gives me a cassette of five ideas. It says, "Take this home over the weekend and come back when you're ready with the, with the production." Right now, at this time, again, this is where the experience of having been an artist, having Thank worked goodness. on tech shit before, yes. you know, getting the cutting edge of all that stuff. And I going went home, to Berkeley and studied right, all that stuff. Went home, told my wife at the time, "I'm gonna knock these out, five of them." She was, "You ain't got time." I said, "I'm gonna knock them out." Um, so that whole weekend, you were hunkered I, was, down. I was hunkered down. I said, I don't even make me anything to eat. I don't yeah. care. I ain't sleeping. Don't ask me to do nothing. This is going to happen. Right? <laughs> I went back on Tuesday, because he wasn't available Monday. So I went back on the Tuesday, and I gave him a cassette back. He goes, so which song did you do? I said, all of them. <laughs> he said, you produced all the songs. There was five songs on there. I said, yeah, five songs. Produced them all. I said, they may not be finished, but I got them in some shape. You know, And they may not be right your way, but I try to get them in shape. So we listened to him, and he goes, that's amazing. So he it. listened in front of you? Yeah, he listened in front of me. That's interesting, because most people don't like to listen in front yeah. of you, right? Yeah, he mm. told me what I did wrong. He wasn't okay. afraid of it. Oh, you good. I mean? So he's he direct. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, I like that idea. Oh, no, not that one. Okay. In the end, he says, well, the temptations are coming next week. You want to help me with that? Mind you, what I did on that tape never got used,
0: never turned into anything.
1: To. It was just a test. And he—that's he, exa- in the end—that's what I learned, right? And uh, he said, "Yeah, they're going to be here. Why don't you come to you know the latest week? We'll do some writing, blah blah blah." Uh, we had one car. I lived clear across the bay. I used to take, be dropped off at the subway. Yeah. Get to the other Tempted side of the, the bay, stream, take a bus, stream. and then walk. <laughs> right. That's what it takes. And man. and then that second week, I was the temptations were there. And I was showing them the song ideas that we had written the following few days. Wow. That was a moment of going, not saying I made it. It wasn't saying like anything other than yeah, it was nice to be there with, the, two weeks ago I was running a spotlight look you, at you, these people. You could have had permission to say I've made it on that one. <laughs> you
0: no, know? did, you, did you divulge any of that? Or no, you probably couldn't. Not to say cool. anything. Yeah, smart. I smart I move, by the, cool. the way.
1: You know what I mean, and just you can't fanboy out. You, at least <laughs> I, by this point, I learned yeah. when to talk. That amen. In my job. Studio <laughs> etiquette, baby.
0: Keep the mouth shut, eyes and ears wide open. Even wild. though I was one of the writers, even and, still, and, and
1: arranging everything. Because today you could be things. a
0: writer and arranger. Tomorrow you could be back running the spotlight. Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. And, I, and, and I could have not
0: ex- yeah. excelled
1: in that particular situation yeah. and been running that spotlight the following week. Right? Sure. Luckily, it worked out. So from that gig, Narda brought me on full time. Amazing. So that was to me, I always remember that moment. Not only that, it was a Temptation's first platinum record. In all their career, I didn't even know they never had a platinum record. I didn't know that either. It was sold out. It was uh, Narda had the first single on there. I helped some part I played some parts on that first single, but the other songs that we that I wrote with them are on that record. I have oh, wow. the plaque. That's the only plaque I have. Of all the other records I've been on. That's the only plaque I have. Because I was like the first one. That's the one. And the way it happened. You know, that was, so that's my studio that's moment. That's incredible. And so we did three songs on that album. I was with them on two songs, but I worked on three songs of that album. And, uh, you know, really got to know the guys and work with them, even as you do in the studio. Still keep maintaining that etiquette. Yeah. Um, so that's my studio moment. My live moment was most recent. Yeah. Because I didn't participate in a lot of live stuff early on. I focused on writing and producing. That when I started touring with the script... We did a lot of great shows, big shows, festivals, hundred thousand people. Wow, a lot of those things. It's just like cool. It's it great. Glattembery and all that
0: was that. Yeah, cool? all, all that shit. Was Re- was
1: Rock Vector, yeah. Tea in the Park, right. uh, Isle oh, of Wight so. Festival. I mean, we're talking mass humanity, wow. right? And we're playing with other big names, Beyonce and Rihanna and the Muse and Kings of Leon, and wow. you know we're on stages, with, they're right after Love us Yeah, you yeah. know So I'm going, yeah, that's cool. and all of it was cool, all of it was cool until the one gig we did, which was a stadium gig in Dublin, where the guys are from. Now mind you, I was with the guys when they first started, right? Because I knew they here just a network lesson from 10 years earlier before that. Hmm. I had worked on them when they were like a boy band, and I'd worked hmm. on them on a record. For that record We maintained friendship So when it was time When they were starting to script I was involved In those early days So to see them go from You know Having a Somewhat of a career To nothing And then Back at another opportunity And being a part of it I was already had Some affinity for it But yeah They made it They done some cool things I was on tour We are world touring Great shows But this one show In Dublin In 2015 It's all over YouTube You'll find it is sold out, eighty four thousand people. Eighty four, right? And wow. wow, that's when I was like, "All right, that is the moment." And I, rem- I remember that show. I could tell you every single note I played on that show because it was just so. It was like suspended animation. Mm. I mean, here we are in a stadium size venue, stadium size set. We worked on our set. We, you know, got the set list right. We, you know, there's so many issues to deal with that I thought, man, I thought you just walk up and play, but you don't. <laughs> Can you imagine. Yeah. And it was just a magical moment. And it was just, that's it. I, I don't know what else to tell you. It was just wow. magical. As a band, we played incredibly well. And it was like, we we finished with one minute left to spare. Wow. Right, because you're on strict time. Yeah, yeah the sound, sound uh, curfews and everything. Curfews, we're one, yeah. One with minute with left penalties there. and fees. Yeah. And... Which was awesome. I mean, it was because we just, we, we, we had a great time. It was a great wow. gig. It was just one of those magical gigs. And the people there, and just the whole weekend of it, was just, it, my kids were there. My family flew over to see it, you know. I played violin. You did? Yeah. I <laughs> played an electric violin and played a fiddle part from a, a Irish thing we did. So, so I was like, right, the culmination back, of so everything, yeah, happened in that moment. So like, that's my live moment.
0: And yet another Career Musician Podcast episode comes to a close. Thank you so much, Mr. Rodney Alejandro, for being my guest. Rodney and I go way back. We worked with Andy Vargas, who is the lead singer from the Santana Band. And man, we had some good times. If you get a chance, check out RodneyAlejandro.com, a cool little tidbit from his story. Although successful in my career, the desire to broaden my horizons, further my musical studies, and attain a college education became goals I sought to achieve. Using a royalty check, wait a minute folks, he said a royalty check, and selling his car, he paid to attend one semester at Berklee College of Music, and the rest is history. So there you have it. My point exactly. He used a royalty check. Remember, it's all about IP, intellectual property. It's about what we write. We can copyright it. Then it becomes published. And then we receive royalties. The Career Musician signing off for yet another episode. Thank you for tuning in to The Career Musician. Please click the subscribe button and share The Career Musician podcast on your social media feeds. I'm just a nomad, a nowhere man. Writing the songs in this one man band. A nomad. sometime until then baby don't you cry nomad here host and creator of the career musician podcast wanting to tell you all about pantheonpodcast.com network i am a part of this collective that is solely music-based podcasts and guess what it is the only one of its kind on the globe so far it is a collective of of an independent network of podcasts all based on music which dig into the culture, technology, history, and everything else you can imagine that has to do with music. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcasts.com.